Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The Last Kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comic books that have come out this very week. We review them for your ears, not your mouth. Get them out of your mouth. <laughs> Stop sticking this podcast in your mouth, guys. This po- Close your mouth when you're listening to this podcast. Yeah, there you go. You're catching flies, buddy. Yeah, open your eyes, your ears, and your buttholes. Let's your- begin. <laughs> open your eyes, don't catch no flies. That's what we always say here on The Stack. Let's jump into it with our first comic book based on the hit movie. Harley Quinn and the Birds of Prey, number one, from DC Comics. This is by two people I've never heard of before. It's written by Amanda Connor Mm. and Jimmy Pamiati. The art is by Amanda Connor, and the colors are by Paul Mounts. This is a black label take on the book. It's very flirty. Uh, But let's, let's be honest. This is like exactly what they've been doing with Harley Quinn, but they get to uncensor their fucks is basically what it is. Finally. Which is, I think, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, Yeah. this is a really great issue. The art's fantastic. Uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti have been spending a lot of time with this character and it shows. Uh, They do a great job uh, with this character. It's a fun story. And uh, right in the wheelhouse that they've kind of been setting up. Yeah, this feels like the uh, maybe the one of the best uses of the black label totally. um, that we've seen, where it's not just uh, unnecessarily like, look at this, look at this big old ween. Instead, it's like uh, stuff that uh, it for those feels... at home, Justin actually pointed to his ween. Exactly. Well, you know what I said about yes, it. Yes, we should also mention pantsless right now. Exactly. Nope. Hey, I knew I was going to oh, say sorry. this. Sorry. Pete is totally dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this feels very, um, very an ex- a natural extension of the character, and I think it is very fun, very well done. Yeah, uh, just- my favorite panel was the. Uh, it was like the crab trying to hold on to the, uh, the it's great. The, pants. The yeah, I mean, uh, one of the super fun things that Amanda Cotter does throughout this book is she does like ludicrous teasing nudity. I think it's probably on par with the pro if you ever read that book back yeah. in the day. But it's exactly like the gang of Harleys come up to the roof and all of them are conveniently covered by Harley Quinn's knees because she's sitting cross-legged. It's it's very funny. There's so much that happens in this book, too. I think it's about 38 pages long. And it basically concerns 
Harley going back to Gotham after breaking, not breaking up really, but like getting in a fight with Poison Ivy. Yeah, right. because she didn't drop the anchor in the boat, which is yeah, exactly. it's enough to make anybody but super it's classic pissed. seafaring mishap. <laughs> uh, but it's all the stuff that they've been working on regularly with the title. It doesn't miss a beat. If you like that, it's so fun and it's kind of the perfect tie-in with the movie. Like, just they're two obviously very different things. But Pete and I were just talking about this. That really channels the chaotic energy that Pamiati and Connor put in their book anyway. So it's normally um, a little iffy about these books that they put out so you can walk into the comic book shop after you see the movie. Right. But this is great. Like, yeah. this is, you could just walk in, pick it up. So much fun. Yeah. It's perfect. So good. Uh, all right. Next one to talk about from Marvel Comics, another lady lead. Nebula number one, written by Vida Ayala and art by Claire Rowe. This is taking Guardians of the Galaxy as resident bad girl and spinning her off into mm. her own series. Okay. Uh, what did you think about this? Uh, I... This um, I'm just I, trying I, to needle Pete a little I bit. I know I see that. That's why I was like, oh, Pete's not going to answer. So I guess I will uh, form some thoughts. Yeah. Um, I'm curious where what the intention here is. Nebula is uh, a sort of a hero, but sort of a villain, mm-hmm. um, and it's hard to tell where this uh, is going to land. The reveal at the end of the issue for where the series is, I think, is probably setting her up to be more of a hero. Yeah, um, I, I think we could have started there. Like, I didn't. The, a lot of the stuff that happened, I was like, what? I don't know any of the background here, so I don't know what. Uh, well, I, I, I think we're kind of just jumping into it. It's Nebula being uh, a horrible person stealing stealing this piece of technology called the All-Seer that essentially gives her, like, I don't know, Matrix abilities, basically. She can check the odds. She can yep. work ahead of people. Uh, and things, of course, get screwed up by the end. We won't spoil the cliffhanger necessarily. Uh, but I like this issue as a standalone Nebula tale. It's funny. While I was reading it, my daughter came into the room and was like, oh, is that Nebula? And I said, yeah. And she's like, oh, is she a good character or a bad character in this? And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not it, 100% sure. It does do a good job of treading that line. Um, and landing somewhere new. Yeah, I think I agree with you, Justin. I, uh, first off, the art's amazing. There's it's art's great. Great, art's great storytelling. I just d- don't know enough about Nebula to care yet, or to know where she stands on things. It's just her being awful, and it's like, oh, I'm not really into this. Uh, but hopefully, as this series moves forward, we get kind of. A better Nebula. I think I'm a little more positive than you guys. I thought it was a solid first issue. It was fun and nasty in the right way for Nebula. Mm. It feels like Vidriala really nails uh, the delivery that Karen Gillan has in the movies. Right. So if you've watched Guardians of the Galaxy or the the Avengers stuff, I think you could pick up right here and get into it because it feels like that. Uh, And I am really curious to see because it's a very different status quo in the second issue. Can you imagine Marvel doing like an anti-hero and people like... Oh, that would be crazy. crazy. Like a hero that like maybe shoots people. Oh, no, that's too far. Yeah, it's too far. Yes. (laughs) Nobody would like that. Nobody would like that. Nobody in this room. Let's move on to a Boom Studios book, Alienated, number one, written by Simon Spurrier, illustrated by Chris Wildgoose. And I did want to call these out in particular, uh, colored by Andre May and lettered by Jim Campbell. Great call out. The reason I wanted to call those out in particular, so the idea of this book uh, is three characters all with basically the same name walk into the woods, discover an alien artifact, and it links up their brains. And that's kind of where things start in the first half of the book. But 
two of the things that I loved about this book in particular, beyond the fact that Simon Spurrier always likes a good, weird sci-fi book, yeah. is each of the characters has their own color palette that plays out throughout the book, and the lettering plays out in such a specific and important way throughout the book so that you can tell not just what characters are saying but also their thoughts. It's such a good, complete package across the board. I really like this book. I thought not only was the art amazing, but the story was so different and creative and new. Uh, I... I, I thought they did a great job of setting up this world, sucking you in, and completely wanting more. I, I can't wait for more. Uh, yeah, I agree, with, I agree with you, Alex, about the, the lettering especially. I was like, oh, this really feels like how people, especially young people, talk and interact with each other uh, with sort of the overtext and the undertext happening simultaneously. Um, and I, this, uh, I really like this as well. It, uh, it, um, it was great. Uh, the colors were great, and it reminded me of, like, the breakfast clubby uh, yeah. sort of kids from different worlds coming together and being inside each other's heads. Very fun. One of the plot decisions that I really liked in this book in particular was that they get this alien thought link and then they go to school anyway. Yeah. And that to me feels like, feels like a very teen, okay, this crazy thing happened. Let's just roll with it and see where it goes. I'm not going to be, I'm going to skip school. Right. Mom will be mad. Yeah. Kids never skip school. That's right. They love I it. certainly never did. Perfect attendance. <laughs> what about you, Pete? Skipped all the fucking time. Oh, oh we got a badass. <laughs> okay. Bad to the bone. Oh, wow. Okay. How many cigarettes are you smoking right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? You're going to smoke the entire pack until you get sick, Pete. Cool. Yeah. Put down those skateboards and let's hang out with a cool guy. Uh, this is a great book. Alienated number one from Boom Studios. Next one from Marvel Comics. Gwen Stacy number one, written by Christos Gage and art by Todd Duck. This is going back in time, showing the old Gwen Stacy as she gets set up to solve a business. Yeah, she was the real hero, maybe. Yeah. Just like uh, everybody thought. So here, I'm just going to throw this out there. I, Christos Gage, always good. Todd Great Doc, man. always good. Mm-hmm. This feels perfectly in line with what a Gwen Stacy comic book would be. I just don't know who asked for this. Right. Well, especially in light of Spider-Gwen and all of the uh, Ghost Spider, the way Gwen Stacy has been used in other parts of the Marvel Universe right now is so great. I really loved... Um, the Ghost Spider series that just wrapped up like earlier this or last year, I guess. Um, so this feels like a wildly different take that is doesn't have any of that fun of seeing uh, her actually be a hero and be a superhero. Um, but I, t- to your point, Alex, I think the writing is really good here, and I, I really like this version of Gwen Stacy. Um, so I would, I would pick up a second issue of this just to see where uh, it goes. Yeah, the art's fantastic. Um, some fun storytelling. My favorite part is when you saw Peter Parker studying in the library. Because you were like, dork? Smoke a cigarette, <laughs> yeah. dork? No, I was like, well, oh. Just to mention, time-wise, this happens right after Uncle Ben is killed. So Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy don't really know each other too much yet. She's dating another guy who's not Harry Osborn or anything yeah. like that. Uh, so She's going a, to a different school. Right. So it's a very different status quo than we're used to with Gwen Stacy. Also, obviously, Captain Stacy, Gene DeWolf, etc. are alive, uh, which is a lot of fun. Um, I This is a weird... Weird note, and I don't think this is necessarily a good criticism, but the covers by Adam Hughes are Mm. so good. Yeah. And so Norman Rockwell Americana, I wish the title had leaded to that a little bit. Like, I would have read almost an Archie comic about Gwen Stacy. Oh, that's a great idea. That would have been a lot of fun. 
Uh, Pete, let me ask you, was it weird seeing the inside of a library since you skipped school so much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's what that looks You're like. like Won't well, uh, see me in there, Principal Skinner. <laughs> Skinner. Yeah, I just, I, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, some people grew really, up in Springfield. <laughs> yeah, some people really love Gwen Stacy. She wasn't my favorite character, so this book isn't really for me. But, uh, but yeah. she's like your second favorite character, right? No. You like Spider-Man to be single. No. Yeah, no. your second favorite character of all time is what I'm talking about. <laughs> no. You like Spider-Man to be yes, with. your first favorite with... character, Foggy Nelson. Second favorite character, Gwen Stacy. Exactly. Nope. The Unpowered Sidekick Club. Right. Uh, your second favorite, your, your favorite, favorite character, second favorite character is Mephisto. Or that's, <laughs> who do you like Spider-Man to be with, Mephisto or, or Gwen Stacy? You know the answer to that. It's MJ. Mary... Jolie, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan. Oh my God, Pete! What are you talking about? Yeah, Peter Parker always loves a dude who can slam dunk. Exactly. That's who what he said. Love a That's what Uncle Ben. His famous phrase was, "Go out with a guy who can slam dunk." <laughs> it's wow. true. Wow. With great power comes, comes great slam dunk ability. Anyway, uh, so that's our review of Gwen Stacy number one. Moving on to a DC comic, The Green Lantern Season 2, number one, by Grant Morrison, art by Liam Sharp. This is continuing the story they were telling, obviously, in Season 1, but also obviously. in Green yeah. Lantern Black Stars, which was the bridge series between these two. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah sure. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, yeah, this exactly. is a very easy co- uh, issue to recap, Oh my God. Uh, for instance. I, this, as usual, is so bonkers, and uh, Green... So, how Jordan is back with the Green Lanterns and right at the beginning of the book the Guardians are like great job Hal we have to go forever now. Yeah. <laughs> well, we should mention it's written by Grant Morrison. Yes, it's written by Grant Morrison yes, who I, I feel like I'm starting to be onto his game a little bit which is like wow. take a word and add ing or something else to the end of it and then it becomes a crazy word. Or take two words and jab them together and then become a crazy word. Wow. So that everything is like, well, here's normal speech, but then I'm going to filter it through adding a bunch of crazy words in there. It is fun the way he writes. Um, Hal Jordan gets a fun award. Then he gets partnered up with, uh, I want to call him Salt Gumby. <laughs> Uh, who he then goes to find new guardians. I thought it was Glass Gumby. It was uh, like he was like Chris. He later said that he was made of salt. Yes, uh, he's crystal. But he uses him like he's a prison of uh, a prism of glass. You know. Yeah, you could do that with large salt. Yeah. Can you, you ever had you large never, salt? Yeah. Oh, you it's next. Right. To, there's kosher salt. Well, there's uh, regular salt, table salt. There's kosher salt, which is a little lighter. Sea salt, and then uh, gumby salt. A lot of people buy salt in the tiny like sand. I buy one big one and just chip it off. <laughs> That's smart. Exactly. That's smart. Buy in bulk. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. have a deer at home who licks it off for me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's good. It's <laughs> weird. I don't know where you fit that in your apartment. I will. I will say New York baby. New York baby. He lives. <laughs> New York, not known for. Having deers in New the apartment, like why? Why do you say that? Like hey. yeah. explains it does no, not. Haven't hey. you ever the 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 Christmas story, the uh, Santa Claus, all the deer from Brooklyn? Yeah, on <laughs> um, Dasher, on uh, um, Dancer, that's reindeer, completely different than regular deer. No, what are you talking about? Yeah. yeah, no one's ever said that. Right, they're yeah. deer that have been stuck out in the rain for a while. Oh, oh Mister Mister Big Time deer. dropping knowledge on us, never even went to in school the, a day yeah. in his life. <laughs> <laughs> we learned about Christmas every fucking day exactly. in my school. Alex knows all about Christmas. I do. Bunch of wet deer living in Brooklyn, <laughs> folding pizza just like this. <laughs> hey, 
<laughs> hey, Comet, hand me a slice of good pizza because we live in Brooklyn, New York. <laughs> I'll have a bagel Don't hand me a slice turn. of bad pizza. <laughs> hand me the good pizza because we have both here. Putson, you want to take a cab to a Broadway show? <laughs> New York City. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. Uh, so that's uh, Green Lantern. Uh, I will say the, <laughs> yes. the, the premise of this ends on of like Hal Jordan and uh, Salt Gumby have to hang out with Teen Guardians. Yeah. That's fun. That's not the concept, though. It's a neighbor. I love the middle. I, I'll tell you what. Like, there is same as I'm odd to Grant Morrison. I feel like it's just it wears you down by the middle of the book where you're like, well, this is crazy. I'm and clearly I, tripping balls right now. Well, I feel like time. this isn't as crazy as Grant Morrison usually goes. I feel like this is more tame. He introduced a character named Mother who creates uh, the Guardians out of seeds and she's making new Guardians who are young Guardians. Uh, they take over they like, yo... I know this has happened 45 million times in the past five years, but you Green Lanterns are fucking up. Hal Jordan, you suck worst of all. Get yourself turned. After he just won an award. He just won an award. Um, I do think the art really matches Grant Morrison's writing. In oh, that it's man. very like so 1970s good. vibe. It's trippy. I think it's cool. Well, I think that's what they're going for, right? Like mm-hmm. they're going for, as usual with Grant Morrison, he's going for like, I read one million Green Lantern comics yesterday while I was high on cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Here are all of them. And uh, it's great. Like if you're looking for that, you know exactly what you're getting into, which is you don't know exactly what you're getting into. Yes. And that's fun. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on and talk about Pete's second favorite character appears in this issue. Mother of Demons, number one from Marvel Comics, written by Ed Bryson and art by Roland Boschi or Bosky, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Like one the of the TV two. show Bosch. So this is spinning off the current Ghost Rider run where I, I keep messing them up. Uh, Danny Blaze. Uh, Johnny Blaze. Johnny Blaze is the king of hell. Wow. Uh, Danny Ketch. I, I, I want to say keep them straight. Danny Ketch is. Um, has some weird uh, power from the limbo uh, where he gets a sword. Right. Uh, uh, so this is mostly, in the first half of the book, focusing on Lilith, the mother of demons, and her cool. plans to take over hell. Then it very abruptly pivots to focusing on Daddy Tetch and what's going on. Actually, oh, it Johnny focuses Blaze. on Johnny Blaze first, yeah. then Daddy Tetch. Catch. Uh, it almost felt like three stories in one issue. Yeah, it did feel that? disjointed. I will say, though, I like this uh, yeah. Yeah. world. Um, the like battle for hell is a fun area to be in. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think about this? You got to see your boy Mephisto a little bit of this book. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I like Ghost Rider. You piece of shit, <laughs> Mephisto living in Vegas, your favorite city. Okay, so would you put Ghost Rider like number three after Gwen Stacy and Mephisto? You guys are both assholes. So I I, I like this book. I think it's uh, not only is the art amazing, but it's this cool kind of battle for hell that we're kind of going through. Uh, I like the you know. They're doing a little bit of, like, moving pieces on a board, but uh, because it's split up into three different stories, I don't mind it as much. I feel like they did a good job of accomplishing a lot, but giving us enough action where it's very entertaining and worth the price of admission. This, and obviously it's almost a one-to-one, but it very much feels like it's channeling uh, Lucifer Sandman to Mm. me. Like, it feels the closest you're going to get a mainstream Marvel book to being like an old-school Vertigo book. Oh, yeah, that's just a Just because good call. of all of the moves that they're making in Hell, and they have a thing where Jack-O-Lantern and, oh, my God, what's his name? The the jacked uh, religious guy who... Hellstrom? Hell- Damon Hellstrom? No, 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 no. There's, there's a dude who's like, I'm righteous, and I shouldn't be here at Hell. I'm blanking on his name. Oh, it's like yeah, Reaper yeah, yeah. Or, 
preacher. It's not preacher. It's something like that. Yeah. Uh, but there's this whole thing where the two of them just keep fighting their way out of hell. Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Hulkster. And uh, Ghost Rider just keeps pushing them down. That, yeah. to me, felt like, oh, that would be an entire issue of a Vertigo book. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's a so, great call. Uh, I'm, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, the Ghost Rider title, in general, is very good. Last one we're going to talk about. I assume this must be a hard one for you, Pete. Yeah. Curious to get your thoughts first. This is Batman Pennyworth R.I.P. number one from DC Comics, written by James Town IV and Peter J. Tomasi. Art by Eddie Barrows and Eber Ferreira, Chris Burnham, Marcio Takara, Diogenes Neves, David LaFuente, and Sumit Kumar. And this is taking place after a tribute to Alfred Pennyworth, who is dead, as the Bat family remembers him and tells different stories of their time with him. Uh, Pete, your reactions, please. I really love this. I loved how chaotic the Bat family is because Alfred was the linchpin that held them all together. I loved what kind of unfolded and how everybody got to kind of tell off Bruce Wayne, basically tell him to go fuck himself and he's got to grow up. And, and, but I also loved how powerful it ended and like how moving it was. This was a really great issue of comic books. And, uh, I can't believe that, uh, Alfred is still dead. Um, (laughs) I'm still in shock and I don't want to believe it, but this was a really, an amazing comic. I feel that way about the dinosaurs. <laughs> I can't believe they're still dead. What was your reaction, Justin? I think I speak for both Pete and I when I, when well, I say Well, birds that. are still dinosaurs, so they're, you know, they're still around. Crocodiles. You, do you know how many birds are dead, dude? Yeah. Like most of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> in throughout history? Crocodiles most, keep eating them. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and pirate hands. I think I speak for Pete and I when I say Alfred Pennyworth is worth a lot more than a penny. Yeah. yeah, and I think we learned that That's in this right. issue. Yeah, uh, I didn't like how mean they were to Bruce Wayne. What are you talking? They about? were so all the Bat family was just like he's grieving harder. He knew Al- Alfred raised him. It's like if his father died after the fact that his actual father died, they're just so harsh to him. And sure, I understand they're angry because he was on vacation with Catwoman for like yeah when he's. He c- but it, it, it doesn't matter. He's still grieving. It's I felt like, and I did like the issue a lot. I was just like everybody's going to slag him off and then walk out the door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It fe- it, and I, I think that as a format and a structure for the story, I liked that, but it felt wildly harsh. For the Bat family always comes back together, and this issue ended with none of that happening. Well, and I think that's that's why, to me, it felt like an interim part of the story of what's going to go on, because yeah. I agree with you. It did seem way over the top. I was also... Just based on the fact that I've been reading the main Batman titles, but I haven't been really reading anything about Nightwing or Red Robin, I was like, what's going on? With oh, that? no, they did a great job of like keeping everything that's been going on in this book. I agree. I think that I don't know what's happening in Nightwing either, one, which is one, used to be one of my favorite books. The Rick Grayson stuff put me off in that title, but I actually liked it here. Yeah. The idea that he was like, this Alfred guy seems fun. Yeah. I'm sorry. I've lost my memory. <laughs> yeah. Can I get a drink? Do you know what it was? Because there's been, there was definitely another issue, and I'm blanking on what it was. It might have been when Bruce Wayne died, Yeah, uh, where the Bat family got together and eulogized him, and this reminded me of that a little bit, where that was everybody being like, their iconic roles telling these iconic stories. Uh, and this, to me, was like, uh, I... I this is nothing against the writing or the art or anything. Like I kind of hated the fact that we have this 
poignant, important thing happening with a crucial member of the Bat family, and two of them are at least two, if not three, maybe Jason Todd as well, are in these bonkers places in their continuity yeah. that just they're like, eh, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not really in this. Yeah. You know? It also feels like Rick Grayson is out Jason Todding Jason Todd. So yeah. it's just inherently a little out of balance. Uh, that's that's it. It just kind of, and I think this was a purposeful in the writing, but it threw me off balance when I was wrong. No, I think you both are wrong. This was really well done. I, I'm not I'm, saying it's, I liked it. Yeah. I just think it's they're mean to Bruce. Yeah. Right. Well, and sometimes I'm saying it threw you got to be balance. mean to the people that you love, all right? That is not accurate, and that's a main problem that you have. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not true. Uh, also, things could be good, but they could bother you the same time, Pete. Yeah. Zalbin. Wow. Wow, interesting. This is really so when, when I, at my funeral, I'm dying first, even okay, though sure. I'm the youngest uh, <laughs> and the tallest, I do think that I'd like... Uh, <laughs> Would when you, you know... Uh, well, tall people are... I'm taller. Yeah, he is taller. We've tested this. The taller you are, the sooner you die because you're closer to heaven. That's 100 percent true. That's That's what my priest always said. Yeah. What? What? (laughs) Don't worry about it. Long story. Uh, I'm gonna get dragged straight to rabbi, right? Uh, yeah, secret Catholic yeah. <laughs> over here. Don't Get to uh, your bullshit point. Uh, thank you. Don't you die first. I yield my time. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, no, I was just saying when I die first, I want you to slag off Alex and then walk out the funeral. Walk Done. Out the funeral. <laughs> no problem. I'm going to be wearing cool shades the entire time and be like, I'm sorry, I don't remember you, dude. Cool. So that'll be pretty sweet. Well, anyway, Alfred Pennyworth dead forever for the rest of continuity. And I really hope that's not true. I look forward to the next issue where um, Bruce Wayne's interviewing new butlers. No, I think what's going to happen. The next issue is Lazarus Pit. I mean, no. here's the thing. A butler, you just get a new butler. Fuck Butlers you, die all the dude, time. You just get a new not, one. <laughs> you're an awful Did you person. watch Watchmen? Butlers die all the time. Butler, Constantly. Yeah. You fling them into space and get a new butler. That's uh, how it works. That's the butling game, dude. No, yeah. it's not. The, here's the thing is that, like, I mean, uh, no inside knowledge here, but they've clearly hinted that they have a crisis is coming again. It may not be this year. It's probably going to be the next year or the year after that. Didn't they recently call it a triple crisis or something? Uh, yeah, something. <laughs> that was in the Green Lantern book. Yeah. They were referred to a triple crisis, but they're going to do a universe reboot. It's been a couple of years. So, like... Killing Alfred, revealing Superman's identity, all of these things. They could make these big moves now and make them be permanent because the universe is going to reboot. You sound tired when you say that. They better because this is bullshit. You can't can't have Batman without Alfred. It just doesn't make sense. I can't wait for the Alfred-verse. Ooh, yeah. What if they reboot the universe and Batman's fucking dead and Alfred's the only one around? Or Batman's the butler and Alfred's the hero. That's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see an issue where Alfred and Gwen Stacy get together and says, now it begins. Now it's our that turn. can't happen. I'd yes, love to see can. them date. I should them. They should date. That's, they should date. DC and Marvel don't cross over. You know that. Yes, they do. Gwenefred. I, I ship Gwenefred. You're horrible. <laughs> Stacy word. Ooh, that's much better. Thank you. If you'd like to support this podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by. We will chat with you about our top three comic book characters of all time. A couple of things we want to plug before we go. Pete, 
Friend us on Facebook so you get to know about the amazing guests we have on our live show, you fucking piece of shit. Jesus. That's not part of our social media plan, Pete. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live, you fucking lovely motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, check us out at ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and more, you stupid, dumb pieces of shit. What? Don't also, say uh, that. You said that. I, I wasn't talking about our I know, but you didn't specify. I was at just home. going with what you said. You, you started don't call insulting the listeners our listeners. That. I was just following you and trying you know what? I you. hope everyone in You're the leader of this podcast. You. You're the leader of this podcast. Thank you I for follow am- you admitting anywhere, that. Including insulting our audience. I feel so bad about it right now, though. You did. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe. And we'll see you at the comic book shop. And remember, kids, stay out of school. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what's me. And I can't just not be failing.